I want to welcome everyone listening to us on the King's Cast podcast and those of you listening to us online, a growing number of you now, many hundreds of you who listen to this service online and listen to these messages. So uh, the Lord bless you as, you as you listen today. I want to spend a few minutes this morning talking to you about something that I've called uh, approval addiction. Approval addiction. I think that many people struggle with uh, quite, quite a severe psychological problem. And that severe psychological problem is an overwhelming desire to have the approval of everyone else that they meet. Uh, we might call it <coughs> um, people-pleasing. It's quite normal for most people to want everyone to like them. Every now and then you meet people who say, I don't care if people like me or not. And they may or may not be telling the whole truth, but those people are fairly rare. Most of the people in this room, you want other people to like you. Normally. We want to be approved of. We want people to uh, think we're okay. And there can come an enormous drain on our lives to keep everyone around us happy. And so I want to spend a few minutes talking to you from the Bible about this. Because as we're going to see, it's not always a good idea. <laughs> and uh, it's something that maybe some of us have to kind of change in ourselves. Uh, a journey though that may be. So many actively seek to be people pleasers. Why should Christians avoid this? Or if you like, not always seek to be people pleasing. So you'll soon pick up the idea as I, as I go along. Number one, because it is simply impossible. It's impossible for you to please everybody. Can you say amen? Have you ever tried? Those of you who are married uh, or have uh, tried to put together some sort of party or banquet or function and you're charged with the seating plan. Huh. Who am I going to sit with who? Who gets on with him? Nobody likes him. Let's put him there. I'm trying to keep everyone happy. Or uh, when a whole lot of people come over for uh, Christmas Day, something like that. Trying to, okay, what, do, what, will, what, will, what will they want to see on the TV? What do they like to eat? What, what sweet shall we buy? What do they like? And you know, God bless us for being good people and that and thinking of others. But it's actually quite impossible to keep everybody happy. Impossible. It's impossible to keep everybody happy. 
where you work, it's impossible to keep everybody happy. In your family, it's impossible to keep everybody. It's impossible to keep everybody happy in a church, by the way. Just throw that in for free. It's impossible. So reason number one, why we should not be killed off by trying to keep everyone happy is because it is an impossible task. It's not even as though it's just difficult. It's impossible to do it. What I put here is, you'll be drained and bear no fruit. You could spend the rest of your life trying to keep everybody happy. And for example, if they give you some advice, you feel that you should take it. They want to tell you how you should dress, you feel that you should do that. Someone says this to you, you feel that you should do that. But it's actually impossible to do that. You will be drained to nothing in a very short space of time. I was listening to someone speaking the other day and both Jane and I laughed when we heard this. But it has to be said, one of the reasons why it's impossible to keep everybody happy, you ready for this? Is because some people don't want to be happy. Some people don't want to be happy. Or perhaps I should say, they don't want to be happy with you. Some people have got a feud with you. They don't want it to be resolved. They want it to go on for the rest of their lives. They're always going to have a problem with you. No matter what you did. Some people don't really want to be happy. And sometimes people say, well, if I don't, uh, if I don't agree with this person, if I don't do what they say, then they're not going to like me anymore. I'm going to have problems with them. But hear the word of the Lord today. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says this, a friend loves at all times. Your friend, the people who are really important in your life, they're going to support you uh, through thick and thin. They're going to love you whatever you decide to do. If someone says to me, I'll, I'll, I'll come to your home on Christmas Day, but I'll only come on these conditions, then something's, something's gone horribly wrong. Because the Bible says a friend loves at all times. Another reason why it's impossible to keep everybody happy is found in Proverbs 19.21 that, that, that says this, and we often quote this verse in this church, but I'm quoting it a little differently today. Proverbs 19 says this, Many are the plans in a man's heart. It goes on to say, But the Lord's will prevails. Which is an interesting Conclusion, many, there are many plans that people have, but it is the Lord's will that prevails. Well, I'm very glad about that. But just that first part of the verse interests me. Many plans are in our hearts. We all have different ideas. Every one of us thinks, you know, differently. And so not everyone can be happy. Not everyone can be happy. Not everyone can have their, their need met. 
You can't be everything to everybody. You can't be. So reason number one why you shouldn't be addicted to having the approval of other people is because you're never going to be able to do it. At least not with everybody. What do they say? You can't please all the people all the time. Very simply, number two. If you try to please everybody all the time, it can lead to manipulation. There are some people in life, they are genuine friends. They are genuine, beautiful people. But there are some other people in life who have an agenda. They want to drive their thoughts through. You know, not your will but mine be done. You know that verse? But not talking about God. Not your will be done but mine be done. And it's very easy if you try to If you have someone in your life, they are always giving you advice, always trying to pour their wisdom upon you. It's very easy for you to end up being manipulated by them. And before you make a decision, what comes through your mind is this, what will so-and-so think? We all have people in our lives like that. Some of you know that I oversee a group of churches at the moment. It's about 48 uh, that I have some very minimal oversight duty for. This is, you know, I'm the pastor here, but I have a slightly broader group of churches. And in some of the churches now, let me tell you, not this church, thank God, but in some of the churches, there's definitely a sense where if the pastor wants to make a decision, he's terrified of the mafioso family that are in the church. There's a kind of a mafia in the church. Well, we'd like to paint this wall white. But what will, you know, forgive me now, what will the Brown family think? Forgive me if you're called Brown. But what will the Brown family think? Or what will brother so-and-so think if we do this? As though that person has a kind of a manipulative control. I've seen this a lot. And this kind of desiring to please people can actually lead to a kind of a pseudo-manipulation. You might want to make a decision in your family, you know, but what will so-and-so think? Now listen, there are times, of course, to listen to the wise advice of others. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? It's important for us to listen to the wise advice of others. We're not talking about being our own man now, doing our own thing, Mr. or Mrs. Rebel. I don't care what anyone thinks I'm doing this. That's not the spirit that I'm trying to talk about today. Because there are times to listen to advice. Proverbs goes on to say that many advisors make victory sure when you have more advice you're more likely to make a good and godly decision. But there's a difference between someone giving you advice and someone having a sense of control over your life. 
And also, by the way, it depends who it is. If you're going to go out this afternoon and put your house up for sale, it's probably important that your wife knows as well. If you're going to go out this week and sell the car and give the money to the poor, it might be important for you to have let your wife in on that that decision as well. There are certain decisions that we have to make together. Can you say amen? So you, you, you kind of have to. You have to make those decisions together. But sometimes we could be manipulated. Now, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, I want to show you something. Because here is a truth. It's possible... It's possible to be manipulated by people with a kind of a harsh agenda. It's possible to try to please people who are not well-meaning. But listen to me now. It's actually possible to be manipulated by people who are well-meaning. Can I say that again? I don't think some of you got it. It's possible to be manipulated by well-meaning people as well as not so well-meaning people. We're not saying that everyone other other than myself now is a baddie and wants to manipulate me, but actually it's possible to be manipulated by people of a good heart who don't know the whole story. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. Now it's verse 22. That's interesting here. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. That's a nice word to get from the Lord, isn't it? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men. Well, just, this isn't a a message about demonology. So let's just take that little part out of it. Just for the purposes of this, Peter had his agenda. Peter was well-meaning. But Jesus knew the bigger picture. And so when Jesus starts to say, this is what we're going to do, This is the decision. This is where I'm feeling it's all heading, boys. Peter, a good fella, who had Jesus' best interests at heart, takes him aside. Is that what it says? Takes him aside. Says, excuse me, Lord. Can you just, um, you know, 
Just come over here. I want to have a quiet word with you. Listen, don't think that's unusual. Many of us from time to time feel that we need to have a quiet word with God. I don't think you quite understand, Lord. You haven't quite grasped it, Lord. Let me have a quiet word with you. Away from the wisdom of the church and the leaders. Let me just have a quiet word with you over here. And talk to you. There are lots of us do that. But here, the point is this. That Peter is well-meaning. But his advice was flawed. Right? Because Jesus knew what was inside him. Jesus knew he had to go to Jerusalem. Jesus knew he had to go to the cross and die and be raised again to life. Turn to Acts 21 quickly. Go over to Acts chapter 21. Let me show you something else. Similar sort of story. Well-meaning people can give you uninspired advice. That's why you can't be addicted to their approval. That's why you can't please everyone all the time. Acts chapter 21, you found it? Verse 10, after we'd been there a number of days, whenever you see the word we in the book of Acts, it means that Luke, the writer of the gospel, Luke is present. And so after we'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt. It's the apostle Paul, of course. Tied his own hands and feet with it. And said, the Holy Spirit says in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. He ties him up, tells him, really, he's going to suffer. Things are going to go wrong for him, at least in human terms. And this is it. This is the, this is the verse I want you to see, verse 12. When we heard this, we and the people there, so a whole load of them, not just one person now, a whole load of them, Luke included. Luke and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem. Verse 14, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. They were well-meaning people. Luke among them. Everyone in this room has got a copy of the Gospel of Luke. You've all bought his book. You must think he's smart because you've bought his book. Two of his books if you include Acts. So Luke, just like Peter, a good person, a Christian person, well-meaning, says to Paul, don't do it. And Paul, what does he have to do? He has to displease Luke to please God. Jesus had to displease Peter to please his father. So listen to me, you and me, 
we're going to have to displease some people in order to please God. Can you say amen? Now, we don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to upset anyone. Do you think I'd leap out of bed in the morning? Well, first of all, do you think I ever leap out of bed in the morning? But do you think I leap out of bed in the morning and think, who can I upset today? Who? And neither do the vast majority of you. But sometimes we have to say no to people to say yes to God. And sometimes people can give us all kinds of advice, but they don't know what's inside us. It's not that they're wrong in their heart, but they're wrong in their wisdom. And do you know what? You can have a good heart, but say the wrong stuff. And some in this room, you are going to have to say no to certain people that maybe you respect. And some of them will be well-meaning people. Others not so well-meaning, by the way. Let's not pretend those people don't exist. They do. Who want to manipulate you, control you. You're going to have to say no to them in order to say yes to your destiny. And if they won't release you into your destiny, then they are not your friend, are they? Because a friend loves at all times. So number one, pleasing everyone is impossible. Don't kill yourself trying to do that. Number two, it only leads to manipulation and even from well-meaning people. Finally, number three, it can become your true God. Seeking approval can actually become the real Lord of your life. If you're a Christian today, what you really want is you want God to control your life. Is that right? You want God to control your life. The decisions you make, you want the approval of God. You want to know that God thinks it's the right thing. But if we're fearful of what other people think, then actually it's very easy because you know that you're going to face God on judgment day, but that's a long way away. But you have to face Shirley in the morning. Apologies if you're called Shirley. Even more if you're called Shirley Brown. It seems a whole lot easier, a whole lot easier to think, well, I, I know I've got to face God, but that's a few years off. I can build up a little bit of a case. But I've got to see Dennis this afternoon. But don't be deceived. Other people's opinions are not God. And you mustn't put other people on the throne. And you can know if other people are on the throne 
because we've been talking about this now for about half an hour, so you already know who maybe some of those people are, because you've been thinking about them while we've been chatting like this, as to what you might dare not do or dare not, what path your life might dare not take because of what someone else might think. But they're not God. They're not God. Just quickly go over to Acts chapter 12. The power of approval can be positive or negative, you see. I'm going to show you this. We're nearly done. In Acts chapter 12, it says this. It was about this time that King Herod, that's not the one from the Christmas story because we're 30 years on from here, actually a little bit more. But about this time, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them, and he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. You remember Peter, James, and John in the gospel stories? This is James. He gets his head cut off. And it's verse 3 I want you to see. When he, that's Herod, when Herod saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So when he saw that he was keeping people happy, that became his God. Keeping people happy. Oh, I've done something that's made me popular, so I'll do it again. And make myself more popular. But what you know, sitting here 2,000 years later, is he wasn't making himself particularly popular with God. And in fact, all over the UK and the world in a few weeks' time, a whole bunch of people are going to dress up as his wicked father. And his name in history is Mud. I've done many child dedications like this. I've never had a child come on the platform and they say, we want to call our our son Herod. Never. It's not a great name. I know it's in the Bible, but it's not a great name. But he thought he was popular. Instead, he's become one of the most unpopular names in the history of the world. And why? Why, why, why? Because popularity, approval, moved him when it shouldn't have done. One more verse today. Go over to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Just one more time. Galatians chapter 1 and I begin to finish with this. Verse 10 is a great verse. It's been a a guiding principle. A guiding principle of many, many people's lives. If you're a person who underlines in your Bible, you should underline Galatians 1 verse 10. Don't underline it in one of those highlight things that shows the verse on the other side. You might get a shock. But Galatians 1 verse 10, and and Paul here writing this, he says, am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? I want to ask you the same question. Keep your finger in that verse because we haven't finished with it. But let me ask you, are you trying to win the approval of men 
or of God. In the short term, the approval of men might seem like a good idea. In the long term, it is disastrous. You may get a quick fix, a short-term solution by having the approval of men now. But eternity will show you to have committed utter, utter folly. Like Herod. He says, am I trying to win the approval of men? Or of God? He goes on. Or am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If you really are going to serve the Lord, you're going to make some, some enemies. You're going to be a little bit unpopular. You're not going to want to be unpopular. You want to be a nice person. You want to be kind to everyone. You want to be a person of peace, of joy. You don't want to be a, cause, a person who causes strife. But if you're really going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, are you? There's going to be trouble. And that's what Paul is saying here. If you're really going to serve the Lord, then there are going to be times when you will have to say, really, I'd, it would be my utmost pleasure to keep you happy. But I cannot keep you happy and God happy. And I must keep God happy. I'm using human terms. I must have the approval of God. So let me ask you today. I wonder if in your life. I wonder if there are some people here and you've been so orientated to people pleasing. And I, I want to say that, you know, 99% of the time. That's a beautiful quality to have. And the world might be a whole better place if so many more of us were a bit more like that. And so it's not that it's a terrible characteristic, but there are times when it actually doesn't profit you. It doesn't profit you. You're trying to keep people happy. You don't even want to be happy. Not with you anyway. And it's a drain. It's a whole load of work, but not much result. Number two, be careful that this doesn't lead to some sort of manipulation. Every decision we make should be made out of love, not out of fear. As soon as we're operating out of fear, we've stepped aside from the biblical pattern of life. One young lady had a friend, she said to me, it was a, 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 another female friend, it wasn't a romantic relationship, but she said, do you know what? Our friendship is coming to an end. Our friendship is coming to an end, but, but I, I don't know how to tell her. I, I just, it's not working out anymore. She said, what should I do? Because if I do this, I'll upset her so much. I said to her, I said, well, are you making a decision out of love or out of fear? If you make a decision based on fear, you're making the wrong decision. 
If you say, I want to give this friendship another shot because of your love, that's commendable. You say, I want to give this friendship another shot because of fear, then you just come under manipulation of control. Only God is on the throne. Let's please him and not people. Especially where we have to make such a choice. Here's my final verse for you today. 2 Timothy 2, 15 in the New International Version says this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. We normally use this verse to talk about rightly dividing the word of truth. But just look at the first part. He says, I want you to do your best. Present yourself to God approved. Sometimes to keep people happy, we will betray the Lord. Don't do that. Let's make sure that Christ is on the throne.